I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Pastor Rich Lee, Pastor here. And what you just saw is a sermon series we're going to do all summer um, called The Unshakables. Now, I mean, you know that we don't live a storm-proof life. I mean, those storms do come. What we're going to do, we're going to spend the next 12 weeks um, together doing in our life groups and also preaching the sermon here and, doing, and, and, plant, and actually learning more in our life groups uh, over a 12-week period, talking about things in the Bible that calls us unshakable, keep, that take our faith and make us sturdy. Because we know we live in times today that we need to be sturdy. How many people can say amen? And what we're going to do is spend together as a whole summer um, going in groups and also preaching the sermon series, 12 of them, the unshakable um, scriptures that are just amazing, the way God called us to live. And I believe all of us will come out better. Here's your, here's your opportunity to invite somebody you know who's having some trouble in their faith walk, who's having some trouble uh, believing God because they've been shook so much. Uh, you can invite them for this, this summer series. It's going to be amazing. Also, we're going to be, also, you have a chance to purchase our uh, purple book, what we call Biblical Foundations. It's also a 12-week series. You get to go through that together. It costs you $5. It's amazing. We just want to go this summer how to build a strong life so we can help other people in our society who are shaking to the core. That's what we want to do. It's called the unshakable. So the next, in three weeks, we'll start it up, and we're going to have a blast. So really dig in. If you want a purple book, you can go to our welcome desk. It costs you $5. Pick one up. It'll be amazing. It will change your life. For some of us, it's just, what are you doing? You're just rehashing some things God might have spoke, but sometimes we forget what those, those foundations are. The Bible says in, um, in Luke chapter 6, it talks about, it actually illustrates two guys. One guy builds his house on the sand, and when he has a Texas um, tornado storm like we just experienced a couple, just a couple days ago, his house fell flat. It was ruined. But there's another man who built his house upon the rock. The rock was Jesus Christ. When the Texas storm came, he was fine because he built his house, built his life on the rock. And that's what we want to do. We want to be people, God's temple, but we want to be strong so we can go against and help other people in the storms. We can pull them out of the storm versus them trying to pull us out of the storm. Can I get an amen on that? So thank you for, um, again, getting involved in that. You're going to hear more about it. You'll be seeing it on Facebook and all those things. But I'm really excited to have you a guest this morning. Welcome. Thank you for coming out. Um, you caught us at a good time. We're in our series uh, I am series. We're talking about the seven I am's from Jesus. When he stood up and says, I am, and declared basically, I'm God. And he had a few statements that he talked about. I am the light of the world. This one here was his very first one that we're going to talk about today. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. This is the very first one that he ever stood up in chapter six, John chapter six, and said, I am the bread of of life. If you go, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 6, verse 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, teach us to learn today all things from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is a very pivotal Pivotal, I call it, section of the Bible. Jesus is in year two of his ministry, and his popularity is off the charts. If you had took out a Fortune 500 company, he was number one. People, he was in demand because he all that he was doing healings, 
feeding people, uh, all the things that were taking place, speaking life to people, they enjoyed him. He was one of the greatest figures at that time of his walk, year two. Everybody loved him. Everyone was seeking after him. He was a hero in year two of his ministry. Why it's so pitiful, uh, why it's so, um, why this scripture is just so, um, how can I put it? Why it's so um, dynamic, because he went from, in chapter six, he went from hero to zero by the end of that chapter. He went from hero to zero just that quick. It's a turning point in his life that sometimes we don't recognize. He just came off his one of his greatest signs. He fed over 25,000 people. We know the story of 5,000. That was just the men, not counting the kids and wives. Fed 25,000 with only five loaves and two bread. We talk about that all the time. He was famous. He sent them off. He went up to pray. His disciples saw what he did. The disciples got on in a boat, went to go across. I love the story because it said in other, in other parts of the Bible, Jesus saw them struggling for about two or three miles. He went back to pray. He kept them out there for a while because uh, he was trying to teach them a lesson. If you saw me feed 25,000 people, surely I can get you out of this water. Well, he comes walking on the water. And his disciples were so nervous. Who is this, a ghost? So no, it's me. So he gets in a the boat. They're on shore. Well, he was so popular, he, people were looking for him. They got up the next morning, they said, where's Jesus? Where did he go? And the disciples are gone. Where did he go? So they all got in boats, and they went over across the lake and said, there you are, Jesus, where you been? Where were you? We were looking for you. Jesus said this, yeah, you were looking for me because of the food I gave you. You wanted something to eat. That's why you're looking for me. Then he proceeded to go in the synagogue. And he's going back and forth. It's the middle of a conversation about what's going on. And they got on the, they got on the um, subject of food, bread. And how many know fresh bread is amazing? You know, you get it out after a bread machine. You got a nice bread machine. It's still hot. Put that butter on it. Come on, sir. Eat it. Now, you don't want it the next day because it's hard. But when it's soft, like a fresh cake I'm going to get today at the oven, right before 7, 8 p.m., it's great. But I eat it every day. Well, they start talking about manna. They start talking about their fathers. Jesus, show me a sign. Then we will believe you. So they came out to see. They didn't come out to learn. He says, show me a sign. And he says, okay, um, I am the bread. Of life. They said, wait a minute. How can you that how can that be? Because our fathers, Moses gave them manna every day. Jesus said, No, my father told Moses for them to go out and pick the manna. Now, if you don't know about manna, it's like a sugar wafer. They slept, they got up early in the morning before the sun came up, and they picked it off the trees and they had to eat it all. That day, just for the day, because you left it overnight, which some of them did, worms got into it. So you saw them, no, my father gave them that bread, and they still died. They're like, what are you talking about? 
Then he says, I'm the true bread from heaven. They said, wait a minute now. We know you. We know your father. You know your father. You're an illegitimate child because she wasn't even married when you were born. All those, you know, all those things. And Jesus started using some metaphors about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He just moves a metaphor about you guys need to have faith in me. So they're only chasing Jesus because he has something to give them. Or they, no, they really wanted something. They missed what he was trying to give them. They wanted something like, give me a healing. Give me a man. Give me a job. Give me all that. And he's trying to give them what they really need, life, so they can get all those other things. Ever been there? So when he, you know, went back and forth and he told them, look, they said, this is a hard saying. Why? Because what he was saying is, Guys, you want to be in a relationship because I give you something? But you don't understand, when you're in a relationship with me, there's responsibility. So everybody wants relationships without the responsibility. The responsibility is you got to believe on me, and you have to depend everything upon me. Oh, that's too hard of a saying. So what does it say? All his disciples at that time, not all of them, but most of the disciples turned away and left. So he went from hero to zero because they didn't give he didn't give them what they thought they need they wanted you ever do that God you know give me this he doesn't give it to you how how is your relationship with him then well he didn't give me what I want I'm gonna try something else because we're human and we desire stuff and he says no I'm the bread of life I'm gonna I want to give you life for free no we want bread that that, that doesn't exist we want to sign we want to see I'm going to give you life that you'll always see. No, I don't want that. I just want now. I want this right now. I want this job right now. I want her right now. I want him right now. Right? I don't care about the other stuff. Have you been there? And we chase, and we chase, and we chase fame. We chase status. We chase promotions. We chase all that stuff. And by the time you get it all, you're like, is this what it's all about? Why? Because God put a thing in our hearts that only can be filled by him. The yearning in our hearts can only be filled by him. The definition of our lives can only be filled by him. A person can't define it. You can't get enough people to say how great you are and still make you satisfied. So he says this. See, the people, again, wanted food and a sign, not the truth. They wanted to get a sign. He gave them the truth. They couldn't they didn't like the truth, and they left. So what Jesus was saying is... the. Uh, the first thing he was saying, guys, I am the bread of life. What he was saying is, guys, I'm the everlasting source of life. I'm the everlasting source. See, Christ is to our soul what bread is to our body. Christ is to our soul what bread is to our body. We need food to, to survive, to sustain life. Our soul needs the same thing. Because if we don't have it, our soul will die and we'll just live to survive and exist. Look at the scriptures here. John chapter 6, verse 51. It says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He was talking about dying. 
He's the source of life. I'm going to die. The source of eternal life. When I die and I rise up, I'm going to give you something that you never had before. You're going to experience death and the fall. Now you're going to experience life, everlasting life, called abundant life. That's what he's saying. They didn't get it. They just wanted bread. They just wanted a job. They just wanted a sign. He said, I'm going to give you something better. Life. It's amazing. Verse, I mean, 658 says this. The word, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. He's talking about the manna. They ate it, they died. And they had to eat it every day. And I remember when they complained about it. They said, we tired this manna. We want some meat. And God got a little angry. He said, he gave them, you know, I love quail. He gave them so much quail, it was coming out their noses. And then he decided, okay, I'm, an, I'm tired with the murmuring group here. You're gone. Now, you want, now, you, now you're complaining about free food that you only have to work for. You get up, where you going, honey? I'm going to go get some manna. I can bake it. I can do whatever I want for the day. Oh, you didn't have to go to grocery? You didn't have to go to um, um, Sam's? Nope. It's on the tree. H-E-B? Nah, H-E-B ain't got bread like this. I can fry it, I can die, I can put it to the side like Spam, right? <laughs> Spam's making a comeback. You ain't get, I don't tell you, you're going to miss out. That was a regular diet in my house growing up. And what he's saying is, whoever eats or feeds, that's a synonym for faith. So he's saying it's a synonym for faith. You got to have faith in me. Not faith in the things of me. Faith in me. Depend on me. Because Jesus not only sustains life, he gives it. You want life for your marriage? Give, let Jesus give you the right life so you know how to love your wife right. You want to live right. How many want to live right? You got to know Jesus. You got to give him everything. Not a part-time thing. That only, if you get it, I'm great. If I don't, what happens? Let me ask you a question. What happens if Jesus doesn't give you anything else that you ask for? Would you still love him? Tough question. Because most of like my prayer time, most of my time is asking for something versus sitting there and listening to something. And I have to be okay if he says, usually he says not yet, even on my end when it says no. And then one writer says, I am so happy. I praise God that he didn't answer all my prayers. You know, someone prays, you pray, oh, my gosh. And you find out later on, I'm so glad that didn't have come through. That he knew better than I did. He's the everlasting source of our lives. He said, to get this everlasting source, guys, you're right here. Don't leave. I want you to come. I want you to come to me. That's number two. I want you to come to me. Because he says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Won't be hungry. He says, verse 27, chapter 6 says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. What he's talking about, he set the authority on Christ and the authenticity of Christ. 
We knew he was God's son. He had the authority. They said, how do you have this authority? And then he does everything God does. Authenticity. He is not fake. He is real. And what it is, talking about spiritual food strengthens us. It's like I love to have, I love to eat cake. I love fresh bread. But I tell you what else I love. I love this Bible when I read it. I love when he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. I know he's good. I love that. When I'm famished, the word comes off the page and says, yeah. And I'm like, wow, yeah, what was that? Same way when Miss Donna makes them sticky buns. And they're coming off and the cinnamon is just, oh, my gosh, it melts in your mouth. Like, that's what the manna did, melt in your mouth. Because you can have heaven in your house. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> and the way God's word comes off, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Ooh. Every tongue that rises up from you, you who's gonna, he shall condemn. Ooh. I'm always with you to the end of the age. Ooh. See the difference? When I disconnect from the nourishment, I'm weak in nature. I'm weaker in nature. And I can get all the sleep I want. I still wake up famished. Because it's a daily diet that we must partake of every day. Isaiah 55, 2 says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to, diligently to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. That's what it's about. See, we have it in our nature to be too long to belong, to become somebody. And we'll spend all our money trying to be somebody that no one cares about. Today, the pressure on young people, get your face fixed. Get all this. Look like, and all you got to do is read the word and say, you are a child of God. You're not a mistake. There's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect. You are perfectly um, created and formed in your mother's womb. There's nothing wrong with you. Because if you try to fix it on the outside, you're still looking in the mirror and say, I don't, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Let me get my face, let me get this done again. Because it's never good enough apart from God. Because we have this desire to be this. And that only that desire can be filled by God himself. Yes. Another man can't fill it. A woman can't fill it. A job can't fill it. Nothing can fill it but Jesus himself. Why do we spend so much money on stuff that will perish? That will not last. Think about that. Let it sink in. How much time do we spend on the stuff that does last? What do we get flipped over on stuff that really isn't important? 
Because what happens, guys, if you get to a certain age, you get to a point you get to look back. And you say, I didn't accomplish nothing. Because you are looking for whatever that is that doesn't exist. And you don't want to be on the line of regret. I should have, could have, should have done it. No. Seek Jesus. He'll fill it all. Why we don't spend no money on stuff that doesn't last? Don't spend all your wheels on that. Israel had fresh manna every day, just for the day. See, Jesus has to be invited to our lives every single day. It's not Jesus and it's Jesus, because yesterday's word does not work today. See, we got, I, know, I remember back then when we were, we were doing, it doesn't matter. Today is 2017. I don't care about 2012. What did he tell you today? So you can, I had a great mountaintop experience on Saturday. Well, it's Sunday. What did he say on Sunday? And then you get up in the morning, Monday. What did he tell you on Monday? And some of you get, you get, you get weird scripture that morning if you get up and get with God. And you wonder, what was that scripture all about? And then by 4 o'clock, oh, I know what that was about. Like the one, love your neighbor. Why have that? Because you're going to send someone who's hard to love. (laughs) And you got to be ready. The last thing I want to do is call Elder Terry when the storm is already in my house. If I'm not prepared, it's going to get blown away. I want to know it before it hits. I want to be strong enough when it hits. Because it's going to hit. The last thing you want is to have a 911 call to a pastor when everything's falling apart. Now, I'm not saying you don't call us. What I'm saying is what I'm going to give you over the phone is the scripture. Now, if you can meditate on it real quick, I can't stop it from coming. It's coming. But I can prepare you for when it comes, to get you through it. Remember, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I wish Jesus had told Peter, I'll move you out the way, Peter. No, what kind of, what kind of line is that, Jesus? I'm, you know, you know, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. He said, Peter, you're going to be shook by Satan. And I prayed. Okay, you prayed for me to get out of it, right? No, Peter, I pray that your faith shall not fail. Really? Yeah. And then after that, I want you to help your brothers. I can care less about them right now. I'm in a storm. Yeah. See the kingdom of God? It's not about give me, give me, give me. It's about responsibility. He gave us everything. We just sung the song. How many believe that? He gave us everything. When you die on the cross, that's everything. That's why Matthew 6, 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. What I'm talking about being prepared is whenever we had to do field action, field work, and we go out in the woods, we had to drink a pint of water every hour prior to going in the field. And we were like, oh, my gosh. But they would tell us this 
while you're in the field, especially in, Washington, in Spokane, Washington, up in the mountains, you'll be dehydrated and you won't even know about it. Next thing you know, you're going to pass out. So I need everything that Jesus has. So I'm on a hill or I'm in a valley. I don't faint. I don't want to faint. And what does that mean? I have to come to him every single day. The manna, if the sun came up, it burned up. You couldn't get it. They made, him, they made them get up before the sun came up to get the manna. If it was in the sun, it wasted. So you couldn't sleep in. You got to say, I'm not an early person. You got to learn how to do that. Especially if you have children, you got to get way before they get up just to give you five minutes. Right? That's what the intent was. Get what you need for the day, early in the day. Eat that only and don't leave anything for tomorrow because tomorrow I have something fresh for you. God has something fresh for each and every one of us every single day. But if we're not full or we didn't come to him, we miss golden opportunities. What you said, when you come, last thing he was telling him, guys, when you come, you'll be satisfied. That's point three. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That word thirst is a metaphor for satisfaction, that you're satisfied. John 7, 37, 38, Jesus got up in the middle of another feast, and they were having a great time. He says, on the last day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. When you ever hear the word cried out, it means he was yelling. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this is something in the responsibility part. Jesus not only said that I will be satisfied, he's going to make me a river so others become satisfied. You ever meet those who you know are full of faith and you're, you're a little run on empty, you run into them and you leave the room and you're like, man, something just changed in me. Right? Or you're the one that we dodge. Now, here comes sister. I'm going over here. Because whatever I have, she is not draining me. What's flowing out of you? What's flowing out of you? And we can't blame anybody but me. What's flowing out of me? Because the only one that can satisfy that hole in my heart is Jesus Christ himself. That earns. Now I'm going to tell you how to do this. Because Christ is to the soul where bread is to the body. See, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, what? Satisfied. See, when you're born again, there's a God-given hunger and passion and thirst for righteousness. Not our own righteousness. There's something inside of you every day you get up. I just want to be living right. I want to do right. I don't want to let people down. But holy God, I don't want to let you down. I want to know exactly who you are more today. Like Moses said, God, let you go with me. I'm not going. I need to be with you every single day. I want to live right. I want my marriage to be right. I want my kids to be right. And for them to be right, I have to be right with him. 
Think about it. And I'll satisfy. Now, it's kind of interesting when you talk about satisfaction. Because how does that work? First question is, are you hungry? I love what Psalms 107, 9 is one of my favorite Psalms. For he satisfied a longing soul and a hungry soul. He fills with good things. That's why I said the Bible is full of good things. Good for me when I don't even think it's good for me. When it corrects me and it rebukes me. It's good. And it fills my soul. Not the temporary. Fills my soul. If you're not hungry, you need to check your salvation. If you don't have a hunger to live right under his righteousness, maybe you have religion. Maybe grandma told you about church and introduced you to church, but Christ is not in you. Because if it is, that's from the fruit that's saying what's going on. You know, you always tell our kids, show me that you really, you know, that you really repent. You want to see that? You want to see that in them, right? The next, well, Jesus said, I want to see that in you. That's responsibility. You hear the truth, now I'm responsible for it. Other thing is, what are you eating? What are you eating? Jeremiah had to eat the scroll. <laughs> now, I'm not going to ask you to eat your scroll. So Jesus said in Matthew 4.4. 4, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word. Everyone say every word. How many words are in the Bible? Every word, not sometime words, not the good words, the words, every word, because your nature will dictate your appetite. Our nature dictates our appetite. Before I knew Jesus, my appetite was messed up. After Jesus, I want to have the appetite of those who are born again. What am I feeding my soul? Same way we tell our kids, don't watch that TV show, you don't watch it. Because they want them to say, well, mom and dad, you watch it, but it's just different. It isn't different. <laughs> it's, it's going into your soul. What are you eating? And today's life today, we need to read a lot because people have some, some bad perception of Christianity. I've never seen it so crooked. Well, we love God. He's okay. We got this thing going on. I can live anywhere I want to. No, 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 no. Not only that, you have to listen to every word. Live off every word. You're going to be responsible for every word you say. That hurts. <laughs> no more gossip line for me. You know what I'm saying? That hurts. Every word I said, what did I say? Yeah. That's the responsibility of it. Jesus said this. When he's talking about written from every word, feeding and obeying his word is more important than regular food. Feeding and obeying. Now, how many want to know what God's will is for your lives? God's will, if you don't hear anything today, is in God's word. When you hear the line, this other line, God works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. That's why he left us his word 
which gives us his will. And now, faith really comes into being when we know the will of God. So my prayers will line up with his will, which I have a habit of not praying his will. I'm praying my will and think it's his will until I read it. Oh, that's, your, that's not your will. Make sense? So Jesus said this in John chapter 4, 34. It's a woman at the well. She came out and someone, no one would talk to, but he did. And she wanted to draw water. And she said, get, he said, I'm the water. When you drink this, you'll never be thirsty. You'll always be satisfied. And she had multiple husbands and multiple lives. No one should even talk to her. She was an outcast. That's why she came out in the daytime. Amazing thing happens. He said this. I'll give you the water. And then she said, and he told, he read a mail. And she went back and told the town. But the guys came back and saying, Jesus hasn't eaten yet. You got to eat, man. Come on and eat. And he says, guys, I have food that you know nothing about. He said this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. What are you talking about? How do I experience the bread of life? How am I consistently in the bread of life? Because the most important thing is we want to know his word, which will recognize his will, and he'll point us to his work. We need to know his word, which points us to his will, and then I know what I'm supposed to do. Make sense? He was saying that nourishment to him, when she came back and gave her life to him, that was his nourishment, her getting born again. That's a nourishment that no one else understands. When we baptize kids or we baptize adults, we're fighting over it because there's something that happens, not the one going in the water, but the one doing it. We get filled up and say, oh, my gosh, let's do this again. Let's do this again. Even if I'm dead tired physically, spiritually, I'm off the charts. Why? Because my nourishment is to do his will and complete it. Not to sit here and watch everyone else do it. Because it's easy to watch other people do it. But you won't grow. They wanted Jesus to give them food. And it's a one-way relationship. Jesus, give me, give me, give me. I gave you the breath of life. I'm the bread of life. Can you give me a couple hours of service? So you'll grow? Because no one knows... We are, I mean, love ministry. Just raise your hand. It's attractive, isn't it? Until you become a first impression person. Now, you would think that new people are the hardest part coming into a church. No, 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 no. You learn this. You tell a member, hey, can you move over because we have guests? That member tells you, I'm not moving at all. So, I have a new nature. So I said, thank you, ma'am. The old nature, pick her up and placed her there. Did I grow? Yes. But I won't grow if I don't serve. And there's no food that can supply it. I used to go to work 15, 17 hours a day. Just working, 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 working. I was never satisfied until I came here and started handing stuff out the door. 
And I felt like I am doing something significant. Why? Because it's the kingdom of God. And that's the nourishment that he wants us to have. Jesus said, you guys, you guys eat the bread. She just got baptized. She just got saved. He just gave his life. This, this marriage has been transformed. Man, this is amazing. That's what he's saying. And when you read this, it's like, wow, God, you are so amazing. And I stay in love with him even more. I need to know more and more. But not just to know it, but to help other people do it. When he says flowing out, I want to be filled so I can flow out to those who need it for that day. But we're not. This becomes just a sermon and three songs. And we'll be in the line, Jesus, give me this. Jesus, give me that. I gave you life. What are you going to do with that life? Come on, somebody. So I'll stand. And then what happens is, when you get a hold of this, knowing that he is a true source, everlasting source that never dies, and he tells us to come, and then we become satisfied. A lot of this takes place, guys, believe it or not, in worship. How many get up in the morning, you have 100 things to do? What's the first thing you think about? The 100 things to do. The first thing is, Getting his word. And now the greatest invention, which I, I scorned it in the very beginning. I thought the iPod was never going to work because I had albums. And I just put it on. And then I get into his presence and a hundred things turn into really one thing that I can only get done that day. The kids going, oh, that day. They're going to be out of school next week. What are we going to do? Oh, that day day so I have a clearest perspective on what's really going on and worship does that because I drop all the stuff that's bothering me and I focus on the one who takes care of all of it and then I come oh man wow I said this morning God it's the first time I've been here that they predicted nothing was going to happen and we had a storm of rain this morning. You are amazing. First it scared me because I thought I asked for too much. And oh my gosh. And it came down and everything's growing and I had to take my eyes off what I would think was a problem and really became a blessing. Everyone just raise your hands, close your eyes. We want to worship God. When he says, when we come into his presence, we come in awe. We can't even speak. It's just amazing. I want my prayers to be less of me talking and more of me listening. And Father, I ask right now as we go into worship, Holy Spirit, we drop whatever we came in with.